Yesterday was a day of much rejoicing uh, with regard to Northwestern's win, and then something happened last night I'm sure you've heard of uh, as the Cubs are moving on. Uh, just letting you know, fireworks are illegal in the city, all right? So for those of you who were keeping me up last night, stop it. We'll let the rejoicing continue this morning as we uh, are supposed to be people who rejoice as we hear from God and his word. Uh, the Bible talks about being blessed and encouraged as God instructs us and built up as he teaches us truth. And this morning, he's going to talk to us and teach us about discernment. Discernment. Discernment is something that happens in your life when you make a judgment. When you make a judgment call or decision between something that is wise and full of integrity or something that is foolish and compromised. And you would be surprised on the judgment decisions that you're making and the discernment you have to exercise every single day. And it gets hard to make these judgment calls. It gets hard to use discernment, especially when money is involved. Right now, my, uh, I'm with my senior in high school. We're filling out all these financial forms. For those of you who did that recently, you know, for college, you're filling out forms like the FAFSA and a, a variety of other things. We're filling out these forms, and as I'm looking at the questions, I'm, I'm wondering, should I disclose my offshore accounts? I just don't know. It's just trying to discern whether this is good or not, you know, is it with integrity. And it's even the small stuff. You know, when your money's involved, discernment is difficult, and especially, especially difficult when it has to do with your career. Discernment is very challenging as you go to work, and you have to discern, okay, am I going to be, I uh, have something I have to do. Is, is it going to be a wise, and, and, and I'm going to discern the, the best path, or am I going to compromise my integrity and, and go off the rails and following the Lord? And, and these are situations that are going to come up, I guarantee you, often, in your career. And for those of you who are in college, you're heading to your career, there, there are some, some root character issues that you can develop now so when the issues come up later, you'll respond with the right discernment of integrity. The elders in our church have been studying a book called Work Matters by Tom Nelson. I don't know if any of you have read this book. It's called Work Matters. And in this book, he mentions a variety of possible temptations to compromise in the workplace that call for discernment. And I'm going to read a few of these, and you can reflect back on your own workplace as you interact with employees, bosses, customers, as you go about your business. Maybe some ways that you have experienced some of these. So here, here's what he says, some of these possible temptations to compromise that call for discernment. Let me read some of these. You may be told to look away and pretend that nothing ever happened. You may be asked to fudge a bid or a sales number. You may feel pressured to ignore a worker's immigration papers, to sleep with your boss, to put a good spin on a financial statement, to spy on a competitor, or to overlook a shoddy product. You may be handsomely rewarded for doing so, and you may be severely punished for not complying. But you must make up your mind ahead of time what workplace boundaries you simply cannot cross as a disciple of Jesus, making a commitment to do what is right, no matter the cost or the consequences. So I'm going to read that, that last part again. You must make up your mind ahead of time what workplace boundaries you simply cannot cross as a disciple of Jesus, making a commitment to do what is right, no matter the cost or the consequences. 
Now, you may wonder, what does this have to do with Revelation? We're talking about your career, your workplace, and then here, we're the church, and Revelation talks a lot about judgment. <laughs> and those are three things that we don't often put together. Many of us have a struggle. Where does our career and church fit together? How is Sunday connected with Monday? And then you talk about judgment. What does that have to do with any of this stuff? And this is what Jesus is going to do today. He's going to talk about the three altogether. He's going to talk about your career. He's going to talk about your church. And he's going to talk about his judgment. Because he does not separate the three. And if we have a church full of people who are compromising in their career, then Jesus will bring judgment. And that's where he's going this morning as we look at the church of Thyatira. You can go and turn to Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, as we talk about the church at uh, Thyatira. Actually, it's verses 18 through 29. Now, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you've seen us go through these letters where Jesus is offering his confrontation and his comfort to these seven churches. And he's applying his specific comfort and challenge based upon their situations. And yet, every church is to hear, even us. We're to see what Jesus is trying to say to us. And this morning, he is going to confront them for their lack of discernment. So let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to read this to you. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual morality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual morality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you as your works deserve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You may be seated. You may be wondering, where in that passage does it say anything about your career? I need to set this up, give you a little background, then you'll understand. This is the city of Thyatira. 
So far, we've seen Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum. And now, 40 miles away, we look at Thyatira. And it's really not as important as those other cities, not as well known. But here you go. Here is the significance. This is historically what is known about Thyatira, is the significance of their labor guilds. Labor guilds were like labor unions. They had labor guilds for linen workers, bakers, metal workers, shoemakers, tanners, potters, and on and on and on. Now get this. Each labor guild had a specific god or goddess that they would worship so that their business would flourish. And part of the worship of each individual labor guild had a specific god or goddess, and as they would worship this god, it would be idolatry, and they would also have a great feast and participate in some way in sexual immorality would be part of their worship. In this environment are Christians. Maybe you've heard of the Christian name Lydia. Lydia is a convert from Thyatira. And the tension comes in this environment is that the culture is going to expect you in your profession and in your career as you are part of these labor guilds, they expect you to participate in the worship of a specific god or goddess and to participate in sexual immorality so that your career would flourish. This called for discernment. And unfortunately, many within the church were not showing discernment. And they were being duped by this false prophetess who's trying to get them to participate in this worship. But Jesus sees. Look at the description of Jesus in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God. This is the only time that Jesus is called the Son of God in Revelation. And it's probably brought up because it was a shot or a swipe at the, the false God, the Son of God of Apollo, the Son of Zeus. But Jesus is the true Son of God. Is He's truly divine. And He comes with a sovereign judge. L- look at it. It talks about He also has feet or like burnished bronze. This would be symbolizing his holiness and his strength to trample and stomp in purity. And we see, once again, his eyes like a flame of fire. The blazing eyes of Christ can see to the hearts of men and women. He knows what's going on in this church. The church may appear to look good outwardly, but Christ sees their inward state. But first he offers them a commendation. He does this with most of the churches. He says something good that's going on. Look at verse 19. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Jesus fully knows the works of this church expressed in love and faithful service and patient endurance. In fact, he says that their works have increased over time and exceeded the way they were at first. Now, that's something I want to be said of me. I want, I want Jesus to look down, see me, see you, and says, you know what? Over the last two years, you've really grown. You have increased in your works and in your patient endurance. So apparently, there is something good to be said of this church. But not all is as it seems. And he brings a strong accusation against them. Look at verse 20. 
But I have this against you, that you, there it is, tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. They are tolerating this false prophetess among them who is deceiving the church into compromise with idolatry and sexual immorality. For those of you wondering that it seems like over the last few weeks, every time you come to EBF and study the Bible, it seems like every week we're talking about sexual morality. And you may be thinking, why do you keep talking about sexual morality so much? And here's the answer. Jesus keeps bringing it up. He just keeps talking about it. Because he wants his people to be holy and pure and to walk in sexual purity. You'll see it in the Old Testament. God's people veer off into sexual morality. God intervenes. This is the time during the Roman Empire filled with sexual morality. Jesus is intervening. And here we are today. We have plenty of influences in your life, in our culture, trying to influence you to a variety of sexual expressions that we may assume that are okay. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Let's talk about that. I do not want sexual morality among my people. I want them to be pure and to holy and to worship me. And when we're being deceived, he intervenes. He says, let's talk about those who are deceiving you. And in this context here, he mentions this prophetess, this woman named Jezebel. And I think what he's doing here is this, this is probably her real name, but there's also this historical reference in the Old Testament to Jezebel, who is functioning in many ways similar to the church in Thyatira and their Jezebel. And for those of you who do not know the Old Testament story of Jezebel, look it up. Great story to read to your kids, especially at night when they're going to bed. This is awesome. So you do know the story, all right? So Queen Jezebel from 1 Kings, 2 Kings, you can look it up later. So she's the notorious, uh, you know, she's the wife of the notorious King Ahab. And what she did, she promoted idolatry, Baal worship, and sexual morality in the land. And just as she influenced Israel to participate in sin, so the false prophetess Jezebel in Thyatira also is promoting sin in the church. And most scholars agree that what is going on is that this Jezebel in the church is saying, hey, you can participate in the labor guilds, in the worship of the false gods and false goddess. You can do that idol worship and engage in sexual morality, and it's going to be okay. That's what you should be doing. It's your duty. Now the question is, how could a church think this is okay? How could a church really think it's okay if we participate in idol worship and in sexual morality and come and gather and worship? How could a church think that's okay? And I think we get a hint in verse 24. If you want to jump to verse 24, I think we get a hint. Jesus says, But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call, there it is, the deep things of Satan. Let's go ahead and stop there. What is this deep things of Satan? Some think it's like a play on words of deep things. See, well, what they think is that, that 
Jezebel is walking around and is convincing people that they can be involved in these deep things that most don't understand, that it's okay to be involved with idolatry and sexual morality because those are deep things that, that kind of jive and go along with our worship of God. Plus, as she would probably be teaching, these are the best business practices of the day. It is just good business practices to be able to go and worship these gods and the gods would help your business flourish. And those are just the best business practices of the day. These are the the deep things of Satan. And, And I was thinking, there's probably many ways that this happens in your world and your life where you feel like your work can flourish if you just participate in these things that maybe don't harm you spiritually. So I'm just going to throw some things out there. And maybe you can think, hey, I can do what I do at work. And when I come to church, that could be separate. So at work, I can go ahead and, and I, can, I can participate maybe in a little bit of plagiarism. doesn't really matter. I can do a little bit of manipulation. I can abuse some authority. And, and maybe some of you would even say, you know, I got this invitation the other day to go at a business lunch. Now, if you think this will never happen to you, I'm telling you, it happens. You got an invitation to go to a business lunch at a strip club, and you're thinking, you know, I'm just going to go for the food, right? Because I need to make these connections. I have to network because these are the best business practices of the day. It's just what you do. You go with the flow because you need to continue to climb that ladder. These are the deep things. And what Jesus says is those aren't the deep things. Those are the deep things of Satan, And for those of you who think that in your career you can compromise and everything's going to be cool, that's not the case. Jesus says, you may have shown up to worship today, but I see you. I see what's going on. Look what he says in verse 21. Let's pick it back up. Verse 21. Jesus says, this is Jesus, I gave her time to repent of her sexual morality. She refuses to repent of her sexual morality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. So we see here that Christ, he's been patient with this, this prophetess. She refused to repent, and he's soon going to throw her on a sick bed. She's going to get really sick. And those who are joining her will also face this sickness. In fact, it says that Christ is coming to kill some of them. How about that? Look at verse 23. And I will strike her children dead. (laughs) He's coming. Those who are participating with her, he's coming to kill some of them. If you may think about the historical Jezebel. You may may remember what happened to her. (laughs) She was thrown down from on high in the Old Testament, thrown down from on high, her guts splattered, horses trampled on her, and dogs devoured most of her. Or someone said that they didn't eat her hands or feet because that's how nasty she was. Wicked, wicked Old Testament woman. And in this context, Jezebel's children are those who are following in her evil ways of idolatry and sexual morality, and it says that Christ is going to strike some of them dead. And I'm reading this and I'm going, wow, are these people who are following Jezebel within the church, are they true believers? Don't you ever ask that question when you read stuff in the Bible? Like, are those real believers? Those practicing sexual morality and idolatry, are those really true believers? 
Well, if you look at, again at the very end of verse 22, it says, unless they repent of her works. Jesus is getting right at their heart. He's saying, hey, you need to repent. And I, it makes me think when I see this that Christians can fall in a lot of sins, can't we? Yeah, yeah. We can fall into a lot of sins. We can fall into idolatry. We can fall into sexual morality, right? Right? And, 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 but those who are truly Christians will eventually repent, right? And how about this for a question? How long can you be in your sin, habitual sin, and still be a believer? How long can you continue in unrepentant, habitual sin and still be a believer? Let me give a little piece of advice. Never ask yourself that question. Never say to yourself, self, how long can I continue in this and I'm really still a believer? Maybe I'm just a false believer. I'm not talking about, it's not saying you're losing your salvation. Maybe you just never had it. If you find yourself in prolonged seasons of habitual, unrepentant sin, my brothers and sisters, let's talk about grace, forgiveness, and the gospel. It's time to come out of that. It's time to come out of that. It's time to walk in truth, walk in grace and forgiveness. We don't have to be those who stay in these seasons of unrepentant sin. That's a very scary place to be. And if you're in a season of unrepentant sin and you want me to give you assurance that you're saved, I'm not going to do it. Because what Jesus says is, they need to repent. And if they don't repent, I'm coming to strike them dead. That's Jesus talking to the church. Let's keep going. He picks it up again in verse 23. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you as your works deserve. <laughs> so the purpose of this judgment is for the purifying and the protection of the church. But there is some good news. Not everybody in the church is straying, right? This is some good news here. Not everybody is straying. Look at verse 24. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say... I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. That's encouraging. Some people are not following and worshiping these false gods and sexual rights. They're not going the way of the labor guilds. And Christ is saying, hey, I'm not going to lay a crushing burden on you. Just keep following me. Hold fast. Don't compromise. Stay firm. Keep following me. Now, I know some of you have come to church the last few weeks and you've been pretty discouraged by these letters and revelation. You're just kind of wondering, is there anything that is hopeful, encouraging, that we can look forward to? And, and, and Christ tacks on almost a little bit of hope every single time, some, some good news, some promises, and some blessings for those who follow in his ways. And, and let's finish up with some of these blessings. Let's, let's finish up with some positives. Verse 26. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. Let's break this down here. Okay, so those who are conquering the works until the end, will reign with Christ. And it says this person will have authority over the nations and he'll rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. That's very interesting. That just as Christ received authority from his Father to reign, so those who are true believers are going to receive this authority to reign with him over the nations. 
when is that? What's the timetable of that? Many believe, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, that this, this timetable is going to happen in something called the millennium. When, when Christ comes back and we have this millennial kingdom reign, it's like this thousand-year reign on this earth, when we will reign with Christ for a thousand years. And if you're thinking, what in the world is that? We're going to get there. It's coming. If you want to cheat and look ahead, this afternoon, rev- read Revelation 20. And we'll talk about that more at the end. But notice that not only are believers going to reign with Christ, but it says that they are going to be given, did you see it in verse 28? They're going to be given the morning star. What is the morning star? Well, if you jump to Revelation 22.16, Revelation 22.16 indicates that Jesus says, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. So this star is a reference to Jesus Christ, that he is going to be their reward. So not only will we get to rule with Jesus, but we will get Jesus face to face. And as we think about the millennial kingdom, we think about the new heavens and new earth, we think about what is heaven going to be like. The main focus you need to have is that our reward in heaven is going to be Christ. Christ is the center and focus of our life now, and he'll be the center and focus of our life as we rule and reign and worship him forever. This is why it is so encouragement for this church. Stick with me here, okay? So here's the church. These are the ones not compromising. They're not participating in the labor guilds. They're not worshiping false idols. They're not engaging in sexual morality. Many of them are probably being degraded, shunned, demoted, or maybe even fired for not participating in the standard business practices of the day. But the real power and authority and success is coming as they will reign with Christ and they will get Christ. And some of you now, you will actually have to do this. You will have to forego power. You will have to give up raises. You will have to give up authority and some success because you refuse to participate in the worldly system. I know some of you are experiencing this right now, but you need to know that power, authority, significance, and success are ours now in Christ and even more so in the age to come. I know you're being pressed to compromise. I know you're being pressed to cut corners. But stay true with integrity. Make the discernment to follow in his ways. And if you're not rewarding on this life, you will be rewarded in the one to come as you will reign with Christ and you will get Christ. Look at the way it finishes up in verse 29. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, (laughs) did this church hear? Did they respond? Well, apparently not. Tradition says that this church vanished at the end of the second century. It was consumed by the heresy of the monotonous who claimed ongoing revelation apart from the Bible. They lacked discernment, compromised even for their career, compromised their doctrine, and eventually they were shut down. (laughs) I do not want that to be us. I do not want that to be us. I do not want us to be a people who are going out there, doing what we want, compromising in our jobs, and coming in here and acting like everything's okay. Because if we're compromising out there, you just watch. I guarantee you we will compromise in here. If we're cutting corners out there, we'll start cutting corners with doctrine in here. It's all connected. It's so connected. 
So we can connect not only our work to our church, but also to the judgment of Christ. It's all connected. They're not unrelated. Christ sees all. And I want to tell you this. I think what you have to do, and I'm I'm talking to those who have jobs and those who are students right now, what you have to do is you have to decide right now, yes, right now, you have to decide beforehand who you're going to serve. Because you'll be shocked of the scenarios that come up at your work to cheat, to compromise. You'll be shocked. So you've got to go ahead and decide now, all right? Who am I going to serve? Am I going to go with the Lord and His ways, or am I going to compromise for my career? You've got to just, just decide that now, because it's coming. There was a guy who used to go to our church a few years ago. A great guy. He's a leader in our church. And he actually, was, I, I love it when students go to our church, and then after they graduate, they stay. That's awesome. It's rare, but it's awesome. And this is a guy who went to Kellogg, and when he was finished after two years, you know, he, after finishing Kellogg, he got a sweet consulting gig, as many Kellogg students do, and so he, he's got this great, great job. And as he is uh, doing his work, he has, you know, a variety of clients, but as he's working with one specific client, his boss, who was over him, uh, pressured him to adjust some numbers to make it look more favorable for the client. And it was said in such a way as, hey man, this is just what we all do. This is like standard business practice. And this guy would come to Ethos Community and he was like a zombie. He was so, so conflicted. He was just like, I cannot believe that my boss is asking me to do this for our clients who we're supposed to serve. And yet, he knew he could not lie based upon the word of God. So you have this conflict inside, and, and sometimes it, it's going to mess with your sleep, right? It's going to make you anxious, make you a mess. But you know what? He said, you know what? I'm going to go Monday, and I'm going to make a decision, and whatever happens, happens. So he goes. Makes a decision, no, we're not going to lie, we're not going to cheat, I'm going to function with integrity. I'm going to discern what is right, and I'm going to do it. And what happened to him? Well, it would be really dramatic to tell you that he got fired, which he did not. But he got a lot of pushback. And when you make decisions like this, it leads to a lot of uncomfortable conversations, a lot of uncomfortable meetings even with boss and clients. And basically, sometimes when you operate with integrity and work, it creates far more problems than you would ever have if you just lied. Well, that's great. It's just so much easier. Let's just go with the flow here. I don't want to mess around. And then, no, we're going to operate with integrity. Boom. A mess. That's why you have to decide beforehand. That's why your freshman year in college, you have to decide right now the person you're going to be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years from now, right? You decide right now, are you going to operate with integrity in the workplace and make decisions that will be hard, that may get you fired, that may make you a lot less money, may make it, make it really hard to care for your family, but you're going to make decisions that, you know, I'm going to glorify the Lord no matter what. You need to make those decisions beforehand because they're coming. They're coming. Decide now to glorify the Lord no matter what. Because Jesus sees. And the ultimate blessing is coming with him as we gain him face to face. 
But even now, there's blessing in walking in his ways. So I want to end with the quote I gave you earlier, but just kind of cut it down a little bit. Let me put it up for you. Once again, Tom Nelson, Work Matters. He says, you must make up your mind ahead of time. What workplace boundaries you simply cannot cross as a disciple of Jesus, making a commitment to do what is right no matter the cost or the consequences. Let's pray to that end. Father, I know often in your sovereignty the timeliness of messages are spot on, and I know there is someone here right now who have decisions that they have to make this week, and they have to discern what will glorify you. And I just ask they would make the decision that would honor you, that would not be full of compromise. They would they make a decision that would be wise and not foolish. And let them just leave the consequences with you. Let them just leave the outcome with you. Lord, we just ask that you'd work that in us, that we will leave the outcome with you no matter what. We are those who are saved in Christ, forgiven in Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We have your approval forever. We do not need a compromise in the meantime. So, Lord, just do a work in us where we see it, where it may have been muddied a little bit earlier, but now we see it. Yes, we've got to follow you. We've got to walk in your ways. And we have to honor you. And may you receive the praise and glory and honor through our decisions. In Jesus' name, amen.